You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hopson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 122 of Sticks in the Six. I know this isn't the voice you're probably used to hearing right off the hop, but if you're watching us live on Twitter or uh, Instagram or YouTube or wherever you might be tuning in from, you see that Andrew Forbes, our uh, normal host, is sitting in a remote location. It looks like he's trying to run away from the Leafs, knowing the uh, <laughs> knowing the way the series is going. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but first, Andrew, how's, uh, how's it going? Where are you at? Boys, uh, life is good right now. Life is good. I'm on vacation, a little family vacation um, out in Canmore, Canmore, Alberta. So I got a nice, uh, I showed you guys beforehand, a nice view of the mountains out in front of me. Uh, we're heading down to the uh, the hot tub pretty soon with uh, with my sister and brother-in-law and, and the kids are here and uh, it's been a hell of a week. Uh, obviously, the Leafs aren't, uh, aren't getting things done the way they should be, but we'll obviously talk about that in a little while. Um, otherwise, man, just uh, just enjoying some drinks. Uh nice flight out here and uh yeah just getting some family time in there well it's great to hear that and yeah we're not going to keep you for the whole episode and that'd be that'd be torture to make you sit here and talk about <laughs> for half an hour when you're out and more so uh we'll, we'll keep you for a take or two and then let you go but uh, on the bottom who will be staying with me the whole episode because i need someone to bounce my grievances off of peter barracchini how are you doing buddy Doing great. I think this should have been an episode where I get out the Festivus poll that I bring out for Christmas and just have it on the table right beside me and just air our grievances for these last, you know, or game five, last two, three games, however you want to call it. But yeah, doing good. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the whole thing of not like cutting your hair, shaving your beard or whatever. But as you can see, I got a haircut. I don't know if that had a part in game five. So if it did, I am really sorry, Leafs Nation. If you want to vent on me, go right ahead. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I think yeah. they're just giving me an extra day to grow the grow the playoff beard. They just want it to be as long as possible. Hey, pretty soon I'm going to have the attachment right there. Yeah. Neck, neck, neck to chest. Is We're there gonna... a rule for a playoff beard where you, you like you literally can't even trim or like make a line or anything? You can't do I'm anything. I'm not touching it. I'm no. not touching it. Oh, okay. Well, I kind of screwed us over then, boys. Rest assured, if the Leafs if the Leafs somehow manage to pull out a deep playoff run here, I'm not touching my beard for however long it takes. I've been waiting <laughs> yeah. way too long for this. Um, you know what? We might as well just 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 attack the elephant in the room right now. With the band um, off. The Leafs, and it's funny because the way that we're talking right now, you'd almost think that the Leafs just lost game seven, but they didn't. They're still up to 3-2 in the series. Um, they went up 3-1, a couple of crazy comeback wins that sort of got all of us thinking, man, maybe maybe this team is different, but uh, they haven't really demonstrated that yet because they haven't gotten the fourth win. Um, personally, boys, uh, talking about our, our personal superstitions and things that we like to do to ensure that or to make us feel better about the Leafs' chances in the playoffs. I wore my my black Austin Matthews jersey uh, for games three and four, and both games they had wicked comebacks. So I was thinking for a second that I may have had something there, that there may have been something there, that I may have found the found the key to getting the Leafs out of the first round. But then I had it on last night, loud and proud, and they they, they didn't get it done. So uh, today I'm today I'm protesting. I'm wearing my Jaguars hat and I'm wearing a Raptors <laughs> shirt. So no Leafs gear for me today. Um, 
Forbes obviously still repping the uh, John Tavares Foundation hat, but that's uh, we'll let that slide because that's, that's for the kids. That's for the kids, boys. The kids. There you go. Right. Um, so you know what? Let's just get right into it. Uh, they lost Game Five. Um, I wouldn't say that they played awful yesterday, but I also wish that they would have seen the opportunity that they had and seen how special it could have been to just close it out in Game Five on home ice and not have to worry about worry about you know pressure mounting and having the media in your ear and all that but as we know the Leafs do not do anything the easy way it's always in the most difficult painful imaginable way and even if they do end up winning this series at this point I think it's got to go seven just because just because it seems like there's just no other way out with this team so uh (laughs) Peter last night the Leafs lose 4-2 to the Lightning I mean you know, it wasn't. They didn't get walked all over, but it was. It was probably a winnable game. Uh, we'll start with you. Let's get some thoughts on last night. Yeah, definitely a winnable game. Uh, obviously, it's not like the game four or game six where it's just like con- like issues on top of issues of them shooting themselves in the foot because that game four was absolutely horrendous last year. But this was more of a tight net, tight knit checking. You know if you make a mistake, you're going to get burned kind of game. And that's exactly what happened. You know, you took an early lead with that Riley goal, which was absolutely huge. And then 26 seconds later, you know, a lot happened on that play leading to the tying goal. A lot happened on the second goal, you know, even on the third goal, it's just a matter of like, like key moments at certain points where issues just piled up on them. And that was a deciding factor. It's not like they were, you know, getting, I mean, there were instances where they were getting hemmed in their own zone for certain lines and certain moments, but they were able to bounce back and generate more sustained offensive pressure in the offensive zone. And that was critical to try and shift the momentum. Yeah, Peter. I was just about to say, we kind of saw that with the Matthews goal, but then again, it just wasn't enough. Yeah, Peter, you make a great point because I feel like that was one of those things that we were looking at in games three and four as a positive. You know, even though the Leafs didn't play great all game, Samsonov came up with massive saves in both Mm -hmm. the third and fourth game. Um, And, you know, his save percentage on paper doesn't look good, but he made the saves that mattered in overtime. And um, that, like when we talk about things like that, like not allowing backbreaking goals, like the one that he allowed to uh, Esamon or Asamon, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Is it Asamon? Okay. Asamon, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Goals like that backbreaker, backbreaker to Asamon yesterday is precisely what we were talking about the Leafs avoiding in games three and four. Um, so hopefully that's not a continuing trend, but uh, that obviously ended up being the case last night, which was unfortunate. Um, Forbes, I don't know if you watched any of the game last night or if you were just sort of keeping tabs on it out there in AB or what, but, uh, you know, thoughts or no thoughts. I mean, you, you've been a Leafs fan long enough to know what this team does. And so you can, even if you didn't watch, you could probably envision how last night's game went. So uh, let's get some thoughts from you. So I'll tell you this. I had, uh, first off, the time change threw me off like crazy. So I was ready to sit down at 7 o'clock, grab a few beers, oh, no. and I'll go oh. and watch the game. Then I realized we're out at 4.15. We're up in Lake Louise, and I'm like, I think i got to hit record on this because it's, it's at 5 uh. o'clock. <laughs> Anyways, that aside, I wasn't going to watch. I was going to come home back to the uh, the Airbnb we're at and sit down, have a few beers, and watch the game. And um, then I, I had a guy who – uh, sat down, or it's a guy from work, and I'll be honest with you, this guy doesn't know hockey. <laughs> doesn't know hockey. One of those, one of those, one of those bandwagon guys, right? Um, but he's in a hockey pool for the playoffs, and he decided to take all Tampa Bay players. Obviously, he knows they're taking on the Leafs in the first round. They know he knows the Leafs' history in the first round. So, all I get from him is a text at about I don't know seven o'clock our time. 
staying uh, with a, a, just a smiley face. So I knew right away Tampa had won and kind of ruined it for me. I didn't watch the game. I ended up kind of following along on Twitter a little bit. And, and uh, you know, as uh, Peter saw, I, I tweeted out uh, uh, or I retweeted Mark Masters today about uh, Hall being on for 73% of the Leafs goals against this this playoffs. I love that you guys brought up Samson because I think this is one year where we can't sit back and, and just blame the goaltending. The goaltending has been incredible. He's kept them in games. Yeah. He's like you said, the, the, the numbers on games. paper don't kind of show that. That being said, there's been some incredible saves throughout the, you know, the comebacks where he gave the Leafs a chance to get back in the game. And that's exactly what they, what he's supposed to do. Um, I am going to bring up a, a little T swizzle song here for you guys. Um, it's called Exile, and it's with Bon Iver. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this song, but it goes, um, I've seen this film before, and I didn't like the ending. <laughs> and uh, we're getting yeah. very, very close to reliving the same film, the same same timeline, the same everything. And I'm going to sit here and tell you guys right now, if the Leafs can't get it done in game six, they lose the first round again. Yeah, yeah. I, I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. I 100% guarantee it that John Cooper – Tampa Bay Lightning team will outplay the Leafs in game seven. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, I mean, the only saving grace I think that you have there is Sam Samsonov standing on his head and pulling out a shutout or a one-goal performance out of his ass. But even if he only allows one goal, who knows? Leafs will probably score none that game. So um, I don't want to be – yeah, you don't want to be thinking negative thoughts like this right now, but that's just it. This, This movie, we are regulars at this movie theater. Like, they've got – they've got – they like, they have have their own theater – for Leafs fans specifically, and they play the same movie every year at the same time, and the same fucking group of people shows up every single time, and they walk out feeling the exact same way at the end. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not fully on the ledge right now because on you know, damaged Leaf fan takes aside, there are two games left. Mm-hmm. Crazier things have happened, I guess. I don't know. I, you're, I don't you're, pe- them- you're peeking over though. You're peeking over. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not feeling good. And you know, Forbes, I agree with you right then and there. And you know what? I'd even go as far as to say right now that I I have no faith right now in them winning the series until they show that they can do it. Because, you know, last night, l- l- last night, I wasn't ready to say that. Last night, I wasn't saying I've got no faith because it's like you got three chances in front of you. This game right here is going to be the easiest one of those three. And they didn't get it done. So I don't know. I'm I, I am sort of in a similar place to you right now just because I just... A game seven is what is it like? Zero and six, zero and seven in game sevens. Now I, you just we've seen this play out so many times before. And saying the Leafs will lose a game seven doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go in and choke the series and lose in embarrassing fashion. But what it does mean is that they're zero and seven, like we said in, in in game seven. So you know whether they go out and play well or they shit the bed or whatever. I just, I, at this point, I can't say with confidence, with my full chest, this team will win in game seven because they, we, they, we've, we've seen them do it against Boston. We've seen them do it against Montreal. Tampa, Montreal, Columbus. There's been teams all over the spectrum and not once have they proven that they can do it. So it's, it's, it's on a fully show, don't tell basis right now. It's interesting that you brought up that you're trying to remain optimistic too. And like, obviously, you know, the media was in the uh, locker room and, or they were getting a sense that the players were optimistic. They're ready for the challenge. You know, they've shown that killer instinct that they've shown in games three or four that were evident, but weren't evident in game five. But at the same time, Tavares said, you know, uh short memory, turn the page, you know, um, 
if they're upbeat like that, that's great. They're being optimistic. But at the same time, like you said, Alex, it's got to get to a point where you can't just say it anymore. You got to mean it with your play. And, you know, we've heard this time and time again, where it's just like, you know, we're ready. We're up for it. We're going to go in. We're going to turn the page. We're going to do what we're going to do. And then all of a sudden it's the same story over and over again. Like you, like, like you mentioned with that song for him. So, um, really don't know what to say other than that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you both. This is an absolute must win because unless by some divine miracle, they can actually pull off and win a game seven. I don't feel confident because of past history. I want to feel confident, but it's just not there because we know what's going to happen. It's evident. Really? It's, it's, it's going to be, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't even know the word I'm looking for right now, but it, <laughs> th- th- this is what the team's doing to me right now. Kind of thing. Here's the thing though, Peter. And like you mentioned it, like, and, and Mark Shag, shout out to Mark Shag at the hot creators as well, who, who mentioned as well. It's not, it's not on the ice. The, the play, the play is not horrible. They've had some bad runs of like 20 minutes or so where mm-hmm. they, you know, really shut down, let, let Tampa take, take over. It's, it's right here. Right. And that's the problem. Now you're, now you're, now you've lost game five. You're going into game six and it's right here. And what if you can't it? get it done in game six, what's that? I said, what year is it? Yeah. yeah. What year, what year are we in? Is this 2019 or is it 2020? Or is it 2021 or 22? It's frightening. As a Leaf yeah. fan, you're going to, look, if they, if they go down again in the first round, like you have to, you have to legitimately think about blowing this thing up. And I'm talking, your coach is gone. Your GM gone. GM's gone. Part of that core four is gone. And you have to say, you know what? Something here is not working because we're not getting it done. There is zero, zero killer instinct right now in the Maple Leafs. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't say there's zero because like Peter said, we've seen, we've seen semblances of this killer instinct in game three and game four. They came back in game four. They scored three goals in the last 10 minutes, just like the Bruins did to the Leafs in 2013. And that's like, that's killer instinct right there. The Leafs did it in game three. They scored the tying goal in the last minute of the game. And then they scored the winning goal in the last minute of the first overtime. That's the frustrating part right here is it's not like, it's not like, cause if, if the whole thing was that they didn't have killer instinct, we would have known that a long time ago and it would have been addressed a long time ago. But the, it, the annoying part is that, they do have that killer instinct, but it's just they can't ever it seem sh- to find it in these games. It shows up whenever they want it to. Like it seems like the game, like the elimination games, are problematic for them. They can win. Th- they could win three straight no matter what. But it's those elimination games that's always blocking their mentality, and it's always that is problematic because if you can't do that, then this team is not worth it. And that's that. And that's just it right there. Like Tampa Bay. <laughs> You could make an argument last series that they didn't play well at all throughout the entire series, but they did it when it mattered. They scored goals when it mattered. They had saves when it mattered. And you know what? Maybe this whole conversation will become moot. Maybe Saturday night the Leafs actually come out, play a good game. They get the saves they need when it happens, and then they score a goal in overtime. I might also wake up tomorrow morning and have Kate Upton as my as my wife. Like, things could happen. Things could happen. <laughs> Like, uh, Alex, I'm sorry. Alex, I'm gonna interrupt you. I'm gonna interrupt you real quick here, boys. I, I'm sorry. I could only jump on for the first like 15 minutes here. I'm gonna head out. 
but uh take it you easy know, get Andrew. it done and yeah, uh, yeah. as always boys uh we'll, we'll talk we'll talk soon thanks for Absolutely. being here andrew i enjoyed it out there, you, bud. you did not have to do this to yourself you could have just forgotten about the leaps until tomorrow <laughs> night and enjoyed your enjoyed your vacation but you still decided to hop in and and vent to us a little bit so uh, we never, appreciate you, never, you, on. you boys are my therapy <laughs> Oh, to be Who there the for you, bud. Therapy, then. I guess you guys do. So, oh. see you later, guys. All right, see Take you, it easy. Enjoy, buddy. All right. Well, there goes Andrew, uh, Peter. It's just you and me now in this echo chamber <laughs> that we call Streamyard. So, yeah. Oh, uh, um. You know what? I, I, you know, I, I feel like that it's a little early to wrap up this segment. But really, what else is there to say that we haven't said every other year, right? What yeah. is there to say that we haven't, that we didn't say last year against Tampa or we didn't say in game seven against Montreal last year? There's, you know what? I guess what we should do is, is we just talked about how there is still a little bit of killer instinct in there and they, they mm-hmm. have it deep down. We saw it in games three and four. That is somewhat of a positive, I guess. Yeah. Um. So why don't we just, uh, why don't we just talk about something else that's sort of on the positivity scale right there? And that is Matthew Nyes. Yes. Now, this is a guy who, and I made a tweet about this two days ago or something like that, who, when when he was wrapping up his NCAA season, I remember so many Leafs fans on Twitter that you had your you had your group out there who was excited and saying, okay, this guy's going to be sick. He's going to join the lineup and they're going to be awesome. But then a large sum of Leaf fans out there were, were rightfully skeptical about Nye. It's not so much skeptical, but just staying conservative about it because, you know, this is a guy that didn't, totally light the lamp in NCAA. He had, he was a point of game player, but it's not like he had like a Johnny Goudreau or a Jack Eichel type of season. Um, he's a guy that Leaf fans have high hopes for. He's a prospect that the Leafs have not had in, in a long time, but he's the type of player that the Leafs really haven't had in a long time. And so there's some, there's naturally some excitement with him, but you know, to ask him to join the lineup and immediately make an impact in the top six was a massive stretch and it, it totally justifies people feeling, you know, feeling a little, a little, uh, I, again, I don't want to use the word skeptical because it makes it sound like they don't, they doubt him, but um, overly optimistic. Yeah, exactly. You want to, you, you want to keep, you want to temper the expectations yeah. and that made total sense. But, you know, to see what Matthew Nyes has been able to do to, since he's joined the lineup and not so much offensively, but just in, in terms of his play driving and the fact that he's been able to slide in alongside some of their best players and hold his own, which not a lot of players can do. I think it's a, uh, it, it's a pretty exciting, it's a pretty exciting moment and a pretty exciting storyline to follow along with. So Peter, let's just, uh, you you know, you're somebody who, follows the draft you you cover the draft pretty extensively you've known Matthew Nyes' name even before he was with the Leafs so tell us uh, or tell us tell me I guess uh, and and whoever ha- happens to be watching right now uh what you saw from Matthew Nyes uh I saw a young kid that wasn't phased by the moment and this is like, like you said this is a player that would finish off his collegiate career in that same building and lost the NCAA championship and even joked about how he hates that building because of said moments. And, you know, obviously with the Michael Bunting suspension, it was a perfect opportunity for him to come in and show his worth. We saw that in game two little bits here and there, obviously in games three, four, and five, you're seeing still some of those rookie mistakes that, you know, young players in that transitional phase make to the NHL. But at the same time, everything that he's doing, all the positives outweighs those two, three negatives that he has in a game. And 
you know, the body positioning, the hands, the ability to drive hard to the net. That is what this team has lacked for so for so long. They lack that skillful, speedy power forward. And obviously, you may not have the best speed right now, but thanks to Barb Underhill um, working on the skating, that is a big factor and, and a big reason why he went back to try and improve his speed, improve uh, and be a leader for the Gophers this season. And we could check Mark, uh, Mark, those boxes off because we're seeing that pay off right now in the playoffs. And, you know, obviously the goals aren't coming. Everyone's going to say, well, he's got to score, score at some point, but you know what? Two assists in four playoff games. I mean, that's still very telling that he's still producing at the rate that the team expects him to. The big boys are still firing on all cylinders. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Riley, O'Reilly, they're all producing and you're getting some of that secondary impact from Nyes and for him to come in, do what he's doing right now. It's evident why Keith didn't take him out for bunting in game five, which may or may not have been a good choice, but you know, to keep Nyes in was the right move because he has earned that spot. He has earned the opportunity and this is going to go well for him possibly down the line. Well, I'm not going to jump uh, the gun and say, Hey, he's going to do well in the second round because we're not even there at that point, but for next season and beyond. So this is great for him to get that, you know, moment playing the key moments, those game breaking situations. And in addition to that on for the game time goal in game three, game winning goal in game uh, three and overtime. Then he's on the game winning goal in game four. May, may have not a contributive, been a contributing factor, but the fact that he's in position, getting in the lanes and blocking shot or blocking the view, that's huge. That's a big momentum changer for the team right there. My bad. He was also on the ice, I'm pretty sure, for um, one of the goals last. I think it was Matthew's goal. The, the the goal that made it three two, so yeah. Oh, I should also say the Riley goal too because he assisted yeah. on that one. But, okay, so never mind. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe but I, if he goal. was in that situation, then again, that just affirms Keith's you know uh, mindset that he can trust this kid no matter what. Yeah, and you know, given the way that he's been playing so far, I think this almost certainly sets excuse me sets him up for a full time roster spot in twenty twenty three twenty four. Yeah, I am sorry, I have the hiccups right now. Um. <laughs> Great time, 10 seconds. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that overall, it's just been, it's been, it's been a pretty encouraging experience to see what he's been able to bring to the team. And I will say this about Michael Bunting. I am seeing so much revisionist history on my, on my timeline on Twitter. I swear to God, every single person that I saw on uh, before game five yesterday was saying, do not put Bunting back in the lineup. Absolutely do not. He did not play well. He only had four points in his last 20 games before the season ended or whatever. Um, the refs are going to go after him. He's going to do something stupid. Do not play him under any circumstance. Now that he's he didn't play and the Leafs lost the game, everyone's like, what the hell was Keith thinking not putting Bunting back yeah. into the lineup? My take on it from the beginning was that it made sense to put Bunt- or to leave Bunting out of the lineup because they had won three games in a row. You want to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, regardless of how, regardless of what you say, um, three wins in a row with that lineup against Tampa Bay, might as well not try and fix something if it's not broken. Yeah. So I understand that, but I almost, for me, it wasn't even so much about Bunting's play. It was just, it was just the fact that 
if you put him back into the lineup, you're risking something greasy happening with the officiating. That's yeah. one big thing right there. I was worried that the, he was going either he was going to do something or the officials were going to single him out for something. He was going to lose his temper. I mean, I love the guy's passion, but it was a valid concern to be worried about about something like that happening yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, there's that whole discourse where you know, in hindsight, yeah, maybe Bunting could have had a bounce back game and not do anything stupid, but still tread that line, but you know, there's also that risk factor that maybe something does happen. Things get out of hand where there's a scrum, like that hit that Pat Maroon had on uh, Mark Giordano. Would Bunting, probably Bunting would have gone in there to his defense, but at the same time, has he earned the trust? I I mean, Keith has said that he, like, he trusts Bunting wholeheartedly and maybe Bunting may have learned his lesson, but there's still that if factor where maybe he does get a high hit on him and then all of a sudden it's another ejection or another misconduct kind of thing. And you don't need that at this point. Yeah. And you're talking about a guy who like, like another thing, he wasn't playing that great heading into the playoffs. And, you know, like I said, I'm a huge Michael Bunting fan. There was a time when I was, Oh my, why do these things happen? Right. As I start to speak, (laughs) there was a time when I was, when I was fully on the bandwagon of re-signing him to an eight year deal. Like I really, really do like him. Yeah. I just, these are legitimate questions that I had that have to be asked. I think when it comes to, uh, when it, when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to icing the best possible roster. Absolutely. All right. Well, we have reached the halfway point of the show, which means that it's time for a word from our friends over at the Indy Ale House in Toronto. The playoffs are back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Woo! Seven games of playoff hockey! (laughs) Can you tell that I went off script there? Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang? What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indy Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing, amazing, authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at the OG Brew Pub in the Junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is a award-winning brewery featuring their flagship instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly specials release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find instigator ipa and marco polar pilsner marco polar marco polo pilsner at finer lcbo's across the province as well and i will mention i've said this before as a guy that is almost exclusively loggers and pilsners i was a huge fan of the instigator ipa yeah so if you if you like easy drinking beers check out the instigator yeah definitely a must Hashtag live indie is the motto adventurous fun focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in your face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to the mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options like me or not. I'm not one of the options. Don't get confused. Indie ale house <laughs> is the go to for game day. Only had a couple of hiccups getting through that, but the point is across Indie Ale House are our friends. They produce great beer. Go check out Absolutely. one of their many locations. You won't be disappointed. So, Peter, we are um, facing a problem in the playoffs that became evident last night, and his name rhymes with Buston Mall. Now, We've spent a good deal of time ripping Justin Hall on this show and not out of, not out of hate, 
out of love because we want Justin Hall to play well. We want the team to be at their best. We know how much Keldon Keith loves Sheldon Keith rather loves Justin Hall. Um, so yeah, we did a lot of ripping on him. Credit to him in the second half of the season, especially after the trade deadline. His play started to pick up a little bit. He seemed to find a comfortable spot next to uh, Mark Giordano on the back end there. These And even in the first couple playoff games, I think he played pretty well. But these yeah. last couple games have been bad. They have been bad. We are seeing the worst version of Justin Hall that that we've seen with this team. And it's on par with with the times when he was playing with Jake Muzzin at the start of last season or just throughout last season in general, even at the start of this season. So now we're faced with the question of, is Justin Hall going to be in the Leafs lineup for game six? And, you know, if you were to pull Leafs fans, I guarantee you there it's probably on a 95% to 5% ratio of people who would say bench Justin Hall versus put him in the lineup. Problem is, he puts in a lot of minutes on the penalty kill. As we all know, he is Sheldon Keefe's best friend. So, Peter, I'm going to start with... I, 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 I don't have an option but to start with you. There's no one else here I can start with besides myself. Um, let me get your take on this. Because I know that we've we've all been sort of, you know, honking the horn of let's get Justin Hall out of there and maybe give Timothy Lilligren a look. Uh, shout out to Mike Stevens from the Hockey News. He wrote a really good article about, yes. you know, just how much of a negative impact Justin Hall is having on this team. Peter, if you're Sheldon Keefe, what are you doing for game six? And can the Leafs survive if Hall's back in the lineup? I I just want to start off with Keefe's comment uh, post-game because of the fact that, listen, Justin Hall has been on for 14 goals against. And apparently those 14 goals against are the most by Maple Leaf over a decade. That is very telling. And again, he may not have been directly involved in all those goals against, but majority of them have been like either poor decision-making, uh, turnover, uh, pivoting to the outside when he should be pivoting inward to take that shot away or lane away from Isamont in that goal against. Um, it, 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 how do I put it this way? It's hard not to try. Like, I understand you want to try and motivate him and boost his confidence, but at some point you're going to have to call him out and say that this isn't enough. I mean, Sheldon Keefe has called out the stars plenty of times previously before. At this point, you got to say that not just the pairing, but Justin Hall himself has to be better. 14 goals against that five uh, overall, nine at five on five. He has a 18.18 goals for percentage rate on this team. His expected goals for is at 37.05. That is near the bottom with the fourth line. That's just unacceptable. And at some point, even in the playoffs, I get he's great on the penalty kill. He's great at blocking shots. But that's all that he seems to do right now. And if you can't have a defender make a great outlet pass, connect on the breakout, carry the puck up, and not panic in any situation, which he has shown a lot this series, that is problematic. And you have a capable defender like Lilligren. Again, we've seen some hiccups out of him fanning on uh, pucks and passes before, but he is able to bounce back and show that consistency. We have not seen that consistency from Hall. Now, is it going to be risky to insert Lilligren who hasn't seen any ice time in some time? Absolutely. 
but at least you know he can get the job done and he has had that experience with Lilligren, um with Giordano before. And let's face it, you're not breaking up McCabe and Brody. Shen looks, or Riley looks even the most comfortable with Shen, even the best, I would say, with Shen, even better than Brody. You got, something's got to give, because at this point, he's hurting this team more with his play than helping them out with, on a penalty kill or a blocked shot. And while that is helpful, being great in one regard is not going to help you at five on five, because the Bolts know that's the guy that you want to smother because he has been making mistake after mistake. And that has costed them big time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, even when that stat first came out after the first couple of games, I think it was like hall was on the ice for oh, Jesus. I don't, I don't even remember what it was. It was like nine of the first 11 goals of the series or something like that. Mm-hmm. Even then it was like half of those goals were on the penalty kill. So I wasn't ripping on hall too, too much there because if you're on the penalty kill all game, you're going to get scored on more often than you're not going to. And, you know, I think it flawed the stat a little bit. Problem is when that keeps happening and when the number keeps climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing to where it is right now, there's just no way to justify it. Flat out when this guy is on the ice, we're getting scored on. So I really, really hope that that Keith can show that he's not as stubborn as Mike Babcock was, for example. And, changes his lines at bare minimum, go seven on 11 and get hall only to doing down. Sorry, get hall down to only doing penalty kill minutes Mm -hmm. because at this point, I I don't really know what else to say. Hall is, he's not contributing. He's slowing Mark Giordano down. He's making Giordano use his body a little more because he's got like, he's got to cover more ground because Hall's making these mistakes. I'm not trying to blame the whole thing on him, but, and I think another thing to imp- to remember here is that if the Leafs lose the series, it's not going to be because of how Keith used Justin Hall. Yeah. But at this point, the Leafs need everything they can, and they need everything to go in their in their in their favor as much as possible, at least. And um, I mean, they're not really at a point where Keith can Keith can experiment with this and you know say, oh, you know what, maybe we'll try to uh, we'll we'll try to put Justin Hall in uh, another time, or maybe we'll 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 try him in a different role and see how he does because we're now down to two games. The Leafs are only playing potentially two more games this year. They're not playing. This isn't the middle of February where you've got all this time to experiment with your lines and see what works and what doesn't, or you know you've got a certain amount of games where you can try to get one of your players back to a level that he's playing at. It's if you're not good enough to get the job done right now, you can't be in the lineup. I'm sorry, especially in the playoffs when the game yeah. is that much more meaningful. And like you said, this isn't February where you can mix and match and you know uh, juggle your lines and pairings because he did that down the stretch of the fi- of the regular season. He should know what he has right now. He shouldn't be panicking or like the humming and hawing whether he should make this move or not. Because let's face it, you have you have a big sample size with Lilligren and Giordano. There is no sense in harming and trying to put in a player that has shown to be more consistent on the breakouts and even using his size more. I think that was a big thing with Lilligren this season where he's able to, you know, be physical along the boards. That was huge. But the fact that now uh, the matter is, You've done your, you know, movements in and out of the lineup, 11s and 7s, down the stretch to for situations like this. If you know someone isn't playing well, they don't deserve to play. It's as simple as that. And as good as, you know, you could go back to the fact that, you know, Justin Hall was part of that, um, you know, Caller Cup team in the AHL. That's great. Glad he won a championship there, but he's not getting it done right now. And for Keith to 
still have this short leash with him, it, it, it's just not working. Like it, it, it's not short leash, this long leash. Sorry, I was gonna but, say it's. I was gonna say it's almost it, like he's got one of those leashes that extends. Mm-hmm. You can you can extend it as much as you want. So yeah, maybe the maybe the leash was getting short, but then as soon as the game ends, he pulls it out a little bit more, and it's all yeah. of a sudden a little more slack on the leash. It's like at some point the leash has got to end. That's that, mm-hmm. that that's really what the reality is. So and not only that too, if you want to win. I should play again. I should player that's going to get the job done. He's just not doing it right now. And I think that this series, if they re-sign Justin Hall in the off season, that is going to be a big mistake because what does that do for Lilligren's confidence? Who has done everything he can to get into the lineup or try and show that he deserves it and still gets up in the press box for the mistakes that Hall is doing. And again, seems like we're bashing Hall every single time, but this is just what we're seeing. You know, even Matt Larkin uh, from Daily Faceoff, every single game, he was just, that's the 11th goal that Justin Hall has been on, 12th, 13th, 14th. And it's like, it keeps piling up. And we hate to do this, but that's the fact. The numbers yeah. don't lie. And even plus minus two, plus minus is a useful stat. But when you're minus three and you're a direct result of two of those three goals, I don't know. You can't really work around it at this point. You can't. He's on the ice. Like I said earlier, he's on the ice when the other team is scoring goals. That's literally all there is to it. Um, that's the th- And that's that's just it. That's the tough part. And I'm sitting here hoping and praying that Lilligren did Lilligren's confidence isn't completely shaken by this. And yeah. I, you know, I can't imagine that Keith is just got to remember that we're us being fans. We have no idea what conversations are happening in that room. So I'm sure Keith isn't just leaving Lilligren in the dark for this, but I also worry about the possibility that Keith does decide, okay, yeah, it is time to take Justin Hall out, puts Lilligren into the lineup. All of a sudden you're getting a guy who feels like he hasn't played in a month and mm-hmm. he's, he's going into the lineup against a, a Tampa Bay team in game six and game seven, where they're going to be playing their best hockey of the season. And the Leafs are going to be basically playing to, it, it shouldn't feel like they're playing for their lives, but they technically are because because if they don't get out of the, if they don't win Game Six, they're going back to Game Seven. We've already talked about all yeah. this. We know what we know what the story is. So, yeah, I will be very intrigued to see what Sheldon does with the Lions tomorrow. Um, I just think that it's it's just so imperative that he recognizes that what the situation they've got right now is not working. Mm-hmm. I think the best possible scenario is for them to take Lilligren. Put him next to Giordano, limit their minutes the way that Hall's lim- minutes were limited the other night. Limit him down to like, I don't know, 10, 10 12 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And just ride Brody, McCabe, Riley, and Shen into the ground. Use those. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, honestly, that'll be a better s- recipe for success than whatever what happened last night is. Mm-hmm. So, And even so, like 12 minutes when you've played Justin Hall for at least 20, 21 a game. That's very telling. So you could tell that maybe Keith may have saw something. Who knows? But it seemed like even in those minimal minutes, he was still on for minus three or for three goals. And even today, too, Keith uh, says, or if this is from David Alter, they're looking at different options for tomorrow's lineup. Since there are some injuries and things that have to play out through the day. Usually, if they're mulling things over like that, chances are there are going to be changes. So maybe it is time to possibly see Lilligren. I mean, I think we can both agree that bunting is probably going to come into the lineup. Totally. Maybe for Lafferty or even Zach Aston Reese. It it was going to be either those two options because you're not touching eyes. No, but 
if you're at least thinking of putting Lilligren in, that is probably the best possible option. Or you go the 11-7 route. That, that'll probably be the best thing. And, you know, I, I do want to m- touch on Michael Bunting again because we talked about him a little bit in the Matthew Nyes part of the discussion. But, you know, he has been a polarizing character throughout this series. He comes out and lays a hit that I know everybody, Tampa fans and everyone's going to scream that they thought it was intentional. It was a dirty play. I think it was a stupid play. I think it was a needless play, but I don't think Bunting went out there headhunting for Eric Chernak. I think no. like he said, like he said, when he explained it, he went to, he was embracing a, a battle into the boards. Mm-hmm. Chernak wasn't there or he was further than he expected him to be caught him with the elbow. It, Horrible, horrible situation, but yeah. it happens. There's there, there's no real way you can beat around it. That being said, he puts the team in a position where they're down by they're 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 shorthanded for five minutes all of a sudden. This is a guy that's he's a Scarborough boy. He's grew up a Leafs fan. It's he entered he entered himself in a he ended up in a situation where that I think just about any Toronto born hockey player like has nightmares over as a kid being on the ice for the Leafs and doing something like that where you put him at such a disadvantage, which likely led to the, which obviously did lead to the 400 penalty minutes worth or whatever it was in the first game. And the fact that they ended up shorthanded for the entire thing. And then all of a sudden he gets suspended for three games. And then right when he's probably chomping at the big to get back into the lineup and help his childhood team win, Keith pulls out the, Hey, listen, not yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Bunting has been through the ringer and back it's hard to imagine where his emotions are right now, but it does feel like he's going to be getting back into the lineup for game six. Uh, just tell me what you think of his, uh, what you think about where he's at right now, where the Leafs should put him into the lineup. And like I said, who should come out? Yeah. I, I mean, we already talked about who should po- possibly come out uh, Lafferty or Zach Addison Reese, because one or both of those players really haven't been quite effective as we had thought. I thought they were good in game three. I thought they got some uh, momentum shifts there, but game four was a totally different story. And it's funny that you brought that up because Tic Tac Tomar was managed to find a tweet from Bunting back all the way in 2015, where he's like running through game six with my woes. And Omar quoted that saying prophecy question mark. So I don't know how to take that as something where it's like, you know, predicting maybe he's coming into game six and he's going to lay it out all on the line for the team that he grew up idolizing or what, but that just seems very coincidental to me. So if he does come in, I think obviously most likely he's going to be in the third line or not third line, but maybe third line, most likely fourth because of the fact that if he's taking one of those two guys out, you got to put him in that fourth line and because of his speed, because of his energy, because of everything that he can do, I think that'll he'll be effective with the grit that he can bring and get in on the forecheck. I think he'll be a factor in that regard. But if he starts to show consistency throughout the game, he could find himself back up into that top six. Oh boy, what am I so, doing? Hold on, hold on. Oh, I hit two. Sorry, <laughs> I hit a couple buttons there. I was freaking out trying to get you back on the screen. Keep it's going, all sorry. good. Don't worry. Don't worry, man. But yeah, I mean, if he has a hell of a game, why not put him back up into that top six uh, conversation? I mean, obviously one of those spots is going to be for nice, but you could easily move your croak down to a checking role and move Bunting back up into the top line. So options are there for Keith. We know what Bunting is capable of doing. He, again, the main thing going into this series for me and next factor was, was he able to keep things in check? 
Not so much because he got suspended for three games. Although it was warranted, maybe three was a little too high. But if he's able to tread that line, not cross it, and still get into the you know opposition's head and you know be a pest, then advantage Michael Bunty because that's exactly what he's going to do. Now, let's just hope he could get a call going his way and not offsetting minors. So I think actually counterpoint to Bunting playing on the third line. Hot take, I would actually put Bunting on the second line and I'd bring Nyes back to the third line. And the only reason I say that is because, A, it's not like you're sticking Matthew Nyes on a third line with with Camp and Kerfoot or something Mm -hmm. like that. You're putting him with Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari, which is a pretty freaking good third line. They've been effective all series. I just, yeah, and I just think that, you know, chemistry is one thing that should really be considered here and we've barely it feels like we've barely seen bunting and o'reilly play together i feel like putting him on that line would just sort of would just sort of make things uncomfortable almost just because bunting hasn't really played with either of those two players Mm -hmm. that much um so if i if it's up to me i think the forward lines i'm going with in game six are yarn croak matthews nylander top line um bunting tavares marner second line Nice O'Reilly, Achari, third line, and then Kerfoot, Kampf, and Lafferty, fourth line. Or if you want to go 11-7, take um, Lafferty out and just go Kerfoot, Kampf as your, as your fourth line. Fair enough. So I would say that's probably the right move. And if you end up in a situation where you need a goal late, then you can you can bump Nice back up to the top six. He's been out there every single game when there's been a moment where the Leafs need a goal, he's been on the ice, which says a lot about Keith's trust in him. And I think you can still continue to utilize him that way, but for the purpose of for the purpose of getting through a game that you need to, you know, stay, keep your head above the water in and kind of dictate the pace and stuff. I would definitely try and keep as much chemistry there as possible. Absolutely. I have one question for you. There's this one video going around of a Corgi making picks and selections (laughs) for, you, you know where I'm going with this. Yes. Where he's like, hitting a ball into a basket like he's already done the series projection but i think they're also doing game by game series and the corgi picked maple leafs in seven are you believing in the almighty corgi at this point because he has been pretty accurate or the dog has been accurate at this point like should we put our faith into a dog at this point no i'm not (laughs) i'm not letting myself because i'm pretty sure i put my faith into the corgi last year and i think the Corgi said the Leafs would win in seven and they lost in seven. So um, I am going to sit here and hope and pray that the Leafs can get it done in game six. And (laughs) if they can't, then yeah, I guess I'm on team Corgi, but uh, (laughs) I I really hate that we're back at this point when we're putting all our hopes and dreams on the backs of a freaking dog, a tiny, a tiny adorable (laughs) dog that has no idea how many people's emotions he has in his palm. I was just about to say, it's sad that it's come to that point. And I mean, it's really weird how every single series, except for the Knights and Jets one, it's all 3-2 at this point. It's really weird. And I picked the Maple Leafs in six. So do me proud and just win this one game. Just win it. Peter, next time that we're sitting here on StreamYard chatting up the Leafs, it's going to be after the series. So yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm terrified that this is the last time I'm going to see your face before the end of the series. <laughs> I will have a bottle of whiskey with me. Whatever happens, the result, that bottle is probably going to be gone no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> with that being said, I don't know if there's really all that much left to say that we haven't said already. Um, Leafs, 
go out there and prove us wrong. Please mm -hmm. just for once in your life, don't do the thing. Just, just do the other thing. The thing that people <laughs> think there's no chance you can do, do the other thing. And I promise I'll leave you alone for the rest of the playoffs. Um, thank you <laughs> for tuning this. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are um, for Andrew Forbes and for Peter. Yeah, I'm not, I'm going to restart that. I can't even say go back and cut it out because we're live. So <laughs> um, yeah, uh, be sure to go check out our friends at Indie Ale House. Uh, check us out on YouTube. You can check us out Facebook, pretty much any social media that you can find. Uh, you could follow Andrew, the, the recently departed Andrew on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes. You can follow Peter on Twitter at Peter Barracchini, or you can follow myself at a Hobson media. Um, or you can check out the podcast. I'm going to try and do the thing that Andrew already does. Um, check out the uh, Sticks in the Six podcast on Twitter. That's S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E-6-I-X-P-O-D. They're beauty. I went, I went, I went perfectly there. I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> um, once again, if you tuned in today or if you're uh, listening after the fact, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. For Andrew Forbes and for Peter Barracchini, I am Alex Hobson, and we will catch you next time on Sticks in the six.